Welcome to another episode of Sunrise Life, where we have beyond skin deep conversations with fellow freelance models. And today I have a freelance model that's from my hometown who I've done a few photo shoots with and some collaborations. And she's a really sweet gal. Her name is Taylor. Welcome, Taylor, to the show. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me, Christy. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so glad that you were able to jump in on such a short notice. Yeah, I'm super excited about this podcast. I think there should be more of these. So um, I'm excited for all the questions you're going to ask me and everything. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um, first off, how about you explain a little bit about your history with modeling, how you got into it, how old you are and where you're at now? Okay, so back when I was about 20 years old, I'm currently 25 right now. So this is about five years ago. I went to an agency because I wanted to get into acting. And then they told me pretty much that I should become a model because modeling is easier to get into than acting because acting, you got to build up an acting reel. Um, it's so much more training. So I was like, okay, well, this is not why I came here for. So I ended up doing a, um, I modeled for a local bridal shop for them. I did a couple of hair shows and then I realized that this is something that I liked. So then I met a photographer and he was hiring for like portfolio updates and stuff. So he paid me for that. And then through him, I met a freelance model that travels around and does more photo shoots and gets paid for it. And I was like, what? This is a job. And then that's how I got into it. I found out about Model Mayhem and it all went on from there. For the last two years, I've been actually doing more traveling. So actually going out of the hometown, my local state has actually been like growing, especially in the industry, getting to work with all different kinds of people. Um, it has led me currently to acting projects, which is pretty cool. I've been on TV for a couple things. For a court show, I've been an extra on Tom Stars, an extra for um, the local casino we have over here. So it's pretty cool. That, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Are you trying to do more acting in your future? Oh, yeah, of course. I'm I'm a drama queen and I like just expressing myself and just being myself. But also I like challenges and um, expressions. So acting is something that I absolutely love. So I would love to have more projects in the future. <laughs> Sweet. And are you a full time freelancer or do you have some other kind of job also? So I'm actually I was currently before taking this full time now. I was working at as, as a vet assistant. Um, but that was like a, you know, a nine to five. And that was just so like tiring and mentally exhausting, too. But now I'm doing this full time and it's amazing, especially it pays the bills and I get to be myself, get to meet cool people, create. I think it's the best job ever. <laughs> That's awesome. I had a friend who was a vet assistant and he said that it was uh, really hard emotionally with what he had to do. Yeah, it's so sad, especially when you like they're putting animals to sleep because they're sick or, um, you know, and then, uh, yeah, it's just awful <laughs> to watch. Yeah. So you're 25 now. One of the topics that kind of comes up in this podcast from time to time is what are you going to do next? And a lot of people ask me this question, too. So I'll kind of reflect it on you. Like, do you foresee yourself continuing modeling indefinitely or transferring into other creative things, too? This is a good question because my mind has like so many 
ideas. So I hope I can model for as long as possible. You know, that's all our goals is to model as long as we can. Um, but I kind of either want to go into maybe running some freelance modeling agency somehow, but like a different, not like the normal agencies that we have, you know, now, but slightly different. Maybe go on to like becoming like a TikToker because um, in TikTok, they can make decent money, I've heard. And that will um, require with acting, you know, and stuff like that. If you get pretty famous on there. So those are ideas. I'm not sure exactly um, where I'm going to go with this yet, but I don't know. <laughs> it's it's so such a hard like thing to like figure out. That makes sense. Yeah, it yeah. does. So you're thinking more of a managerial side where you are organizing people who are cranking out content as well? Yeah, I want to do something because I'm very creative myself, but also I'm good at like growing platforms, you know, stuff like that. So I feel like I should use my skills to, you know, just to keep growing my my money and to keep staying in the industry because I don't want to go back to working for somebody um, and I'm getting paid barely anything you know and they're making so much money off me by working for their company yeah uh, I don't want a nine-to-five job no more I want to stay myself my own boss if that makes sense yeah yeah it does. yeah <laughs> a, a lot of people that haven't experienced freelance modeling themselves or even freelancing in general when they hear the phrase freelance model they're, they're it's just complete question marks like what what is that like because modeling has been viewed as something that you need an agent for for so many years have you had experiences with agencies besides the one that wanted you to not act and just do the bridal photo shoot and stuff like that yeah i've i definitely uh have talked to a few different ones um there was another one uh up in edmonds washington that i know the guy that runs the agency it's crazy because like they take a percentage and the thing is is that like if you're sitting there waiting for somebody to look at your photo and be like oh yeah I want want them I mean you might get a job maybe I don't know, depends on the area you're in so if you're in Washington we don't have a huge um mar- you know uh what do you call that a huge market for film right now you know up here and so it's limited. So therefore you can get maybe two jobs out of a whole year. But if you're a freelancer, you can definitely get as many as you want if you go for it, you know. Um, but if you're in LA or an area that the film in- industry is bigger, I'm pretty sure um, having an agent might be good, you know, because you might get more opportunities, um, better um, like exposure, especially with bigger companies, because bigger companies, I don't think they'll take just anybody. Cause, you know, some of them want, want like an actual they want reliable talent, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about yeah. what about being a freelance model? Do you like, and then what do you not like? Just name two things. Okay, so what I like is the freedom to be my own boss and be in charge and stuff like that. What I don't like about it is that it comes with a lot of trauma because there's not like a whole bunch of like good and bad. I mean, there's a whole bunch of, you know, good and bad people in it. So there's going to be a chunk of bad people. And um, sometimes those bad people can do things that make you uncomfortable, you know, that make you, I don't know, um, think twice about do you want to continue modeling? And those people make the industry suck. But those are the, those are the 
times where I don't like modeling. Yeah, I totally hear you on that. I have the same experience and the same feelings about the freedom aspect being amazing and then like the the creeps and the psychos being the yeah <laughs> definitely got and, so uh, many stories <laughs> with with that being said i know that i i think i mentioned for you to come up with uh one of your your memories for this podcast let's do the photo shoot fail of the week tell me a crazy story of something that happened to you with a photographer that was either fucked up for some kind of situation, whether it was the photographer who was being weird or the situation itself that was crazy. Like, What's one of your crazy stories? Well, probably one of my craziest ones was probably when I was unexperienced, when I was first beginning. Um, There was this (laughs) there was this Macy's ad guy who was like saying that he worked for Macy's and he was like, trying to test shoot models for the Macy's catalog that was coming up for the spring or something. So I met with him to do the test shoot and he told me to bring um, a fashion outfit, a, a um, like a yoga outfit, like a sports outfit, a bikini. And um, so we're going to see how my body looks like it with the lights and the camera because Macy's, you know, they only pick the best models is what, you know, and so, of course, being unexperienced and stuff, I decided that um, that this was like the coolest opportunity. This is my dream, you know. And so I went up there. And so, we, of course, this guy started me with the most clothing and eventually got me into the least amount of clothing, the bikini. Mm-hmm. And so when we got to the bikini, he ends up pulling out his computer and asks me this question and says, do you want to model with? other models and I just looked at him and I was so confused because I was like I don't even know much about modeling for one but I just wanted to pose for clothing and you know and like magazines or like catalogs or whatever yeah and and so I was super confused at like what this guy was talking about other models and so he he gets onto his laptop and he pulls out this Calvin Klein Addy and um so (laughs) There's this man, he's naked, and he's behind the woman. So the woman's in front of him. And so they're both naked, but he's in, so it's an implied shot. So he has his arm around her boobs to cover the nipples, and he has his hand to cover, his, you know, the vagina area. And he's like, like this ad. And I was, before I could say anything, before I could just, you know, register what he just showed me or anything, he thinks he can come up behind me and he demonstrates it on me. So what he does is he puts his arm, you know, right over the boobs and then he swoops his arm around to cover my vagina. And when you're demonstrating a pose, you would think you would hover over it, you know, but no, he actually touched my bare skin. And when he touched my vagina, he actually hooked his finger near with my lips are you know through like the bikini area I felt so uncomfortable in that moment so um I've seen a lot of like scary movies and a lot of documentaries and stuff if you freak out on somebody that's how accidental murders happen so I knew in that moment that I had to just keep playing it through you know I had convinced him to take me to go get some food because we were test shooting for like four or five hours. And I was like, I'm hungry. Like, you know, I, I'm starving. And so luckily 
he fell for it and he, we walked out of that apartment studio and he took me up to go get some food and I decided that um, my quick escape was the bathroom and luckily there was like an exit door where the bathroom was and I was able oh to just get out and find my car and I left. <laughs> oh my god. That yeah. was fucked up. You, that was straight up sexual assault. That guy yeah, did. it was terrifying. Yeah, super terrifying. I've never told anybody. The guy that I was dating during that time, I never told him about it. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it was something that I kind of had to go to therapy too to reprocess out of my brain because it was something hard to talk about, you know? Yeah, that's really scary. Uh, were yeah. you worried about doing other photo shoots after that? Oh, yeah. I had that like PTSD feeling at each shoot where I would be like, what do you call that? Like, where you're super aware of your surroundings. Yeah, hypervigilance. Yes, that, exactly. And um, definitely very anxious for a while. And so I would ask so many questions at every shoot and people probably thought I was like ridiculous. But um, after that experience, it was super scary and um, something that I'll always remember. And I look back and I feel so dumb, but at the same time, I was unexperienced. I wanted this dream so bad. And these predators will prey off those that want that dream. Exactly. You know? Yeah. And that's the, the harshest thing that somebody said once that every day another aspiring model turns 18 and the predators are aware of this and they're just waiting to like DM you on your Instagram or your, your model mayhem or your Facebook page. Like, oh, do you want to do a photo shoot? Yeah, kind of like that one girl on Dr. Phil, um, that girl's like, catch me outside. And then they waited till she turned 18 for her OnlyFans that like literally the minute it hit midnight, she made a couple million dollars off her OnlyFans. What? You never heard about that? Oh, my gosh. I was like, I freaking, like predators. I'm like, it's so gross. Like, oh, yep. <laughs> wow. Yep. Well, I'm glad that you made it past that disgusting experience with that absolute creep yeah i'm i'm hopefully i'm hoping more models were get like more knowledge than i had you know so these podcasts i think are great um just to you know show awareness to other models that are upcoming and stuff because they have to be aware of like there is predators that will take advantage of them yeah, exactly. And podcasts and Facebook groups and the Internet with social media in general has really been able to reach the hand out to spread awareness like this. But a while back, like when I first started modeling, social media wasn't popular yet. Like Facebook was just invented when I first started. And I didn't even have an account. No models weren't chatting with each other. Everybody was sort of in competition with each other. But it is oh. great to see that models are chatting with each other now, giving each other pointers and feedback and saying who to look out for and stuff. Yeah, it's great to have that support system in the industry because in this industry, it's like you sink or swim or, or whatever you call it. You know what I'm saying? Sink or swim. Yeah. Um, especially with like so much going on. There's so much competition. It's so good to see other models just like wanting to help each other. And I think it's because when you go through an experience and you know it was a bad experience, um, I think it's easier for the more experienced models to help the, you know, cause they don't want them to go through the same thing that they went through. Like for me, I would do anything I can to make sure another person does not go through what I experienced. 
Yeah. So I think that's, yeah, the beautiful thing about um, some of the girls that we have met and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Group group events are also great places to pass that knowledge and make friends with each other. And like right now, a lot of my friends are actual other traveling freelance models. It's kind of just become my life. What about you? Um. Yeah, I have some that are with models. I think I meet a lot more in the industry that I become friends with because I spend so much more time in this industry. Um, but I do have some friends, uh, that I kept throughout, you know, high school or throughout, um, other jobs and stuff. But I think because like you, like you were saying, we, you know, we spend so much time in this industry. It's easier for us to connect with other models because they share the same experiences. Yeah. It's easier to, they accept what we do. And especially with us, it's really hard to accept, uh, what we do in society these days. So yeah. it's nice to have that, um, those people that do accept us for what we do and love us for what we do. And um, I think that's like the best feeling, you know, and easier to be friends with those people than other people that are just criticizing you left and right. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. agree. Have, have you been criticized by any of your friends because of your modeling? Um, luckily my friend group is really small because I don't know. I'm, I'm very picky on my friends. <laughs> I really am. But um, I did have issues with my um, my birth dad. Um, he saw my stuff and my stepmom and stuff. And of course, uh, my stepmom likes to gaslight my dad. She likes to make him believe different things that actually aren't even happening, you know. So he thinks I'm like doing drugs and all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm not doing any of this. I don't understand. But, you know, um, I definitely have got some backlash before I cut ties with my dad um, that he didn't like what I was doing. But he did tell me I told him, um, what if I get famous, famous? Are you going to accept me then? And he said, well, when that day comes, we'll talk about it. And I'm just like, yeah, so it's so fucked. That's, uh, that's that's conditional love. Like, oh, only if you yeah. meet this certain level of status will I accept yep. what you're doing. Yep. It's it's so fucked. And um, I just cut ties with like all of them. I think they're just if they're not going to be supportive of what I do and like the industry and what I love doing and what then they're not good to have in my life. That's what I learned, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Good for you yeah. for sticking to your guns on that. That must have been really hard, though. Oh, yeah, there's definitely I had to do some therapy. So I'm definitely honest about that. Um, but uh, I think it's the best thing that I could have done for myself. Congratulations. That got, right. That got intense real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, we're, we're doing the beyond skin deep conversations with other freelance models, because a lot of people, I believe, perceive that modeling is a completely superficial lifestyle when in reality in my experience i feel like i've delved further into like the psyches of different types of people learning how people tick through modeling and my previous careers have been i mean i've worked in food i didn't do anything like majorly intense i work with customers and so the psychology of customer service and then the interactions with my co-workers at the restaurant that was like the depth of my previous career experience with other humans but i have found that with modeling 
there's so much more to tap into, not only just because we're expressing ourselves uh, in our careers, but because a lot of photographers turn photo shoots into a therapy session where you are acting as a therapist. Has that happened to you too? Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, it's interesting how like there'll be like, there's a lot of photographers that'll be so trusting and it's like, they'll just drop everything on you about, about their lifestyle, what they're dealing with or like, you know, um, their broken marriage or, if they're having a sugar baby or any of those stuff. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, I don't really care, you know, like, but I think it's nice that they can trust at least somebody to talk to. Yeah. Um, even if we don't really want them to talk to us about it, but I don't think, I guess it's easier because we can relate at that different type of level. I don't know. What do you call that when you're, um, when you're at your, say, for example, you're out in nature and you're naked, you feel so, more vulnerable and more vulnerable vulnerable yeah okay. yeah yeah because we're we're so like we're so vulnerable and you know both ends i think that's how it draws kind of like a um comfort comfort for them or something you know i don't know that's that's like my thing because it's not just one or two that do it there's multiple it's you know so that's just my yeah. Own opinion <laughs> yeah when you remove your clothes that makes you you know, appear vulnerable just by the act of not wearing your clothes. And let's be honest, a lot of the people that I'm interviewing on all of these podcast episodes, we're all nude models. Uh, nudity is definitely, at least for me, an uh, ongoing theme. And personally, I, I prefer to pose nude than with like fashion-y clothes on. I don't know what your preference is on that, but but it is it appears vulnerable, even if I don't necessarily feel vulnerable when I'm mm -hmm. nude. I know that the photographers that are photographing me often perceive the nudity as being vulnerable. And maybe that triggers them to open up about their vulnerabilities. Yeah. And yeah, it's like a I don't know, like a I don't know what the word for it, but I feel like they're not threatened by you, you know, especially remove your clothes. It's like, I don't know, it becomes more normal, more natural, I guess. I don't know. I feel like we all should be naked. It's <laughs> 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 my own opinion. Like these clothes, we created these clothes. And so when yeah. you first started modeling, did you start off with nudes? Actually, no, I was um, I went in just doing fashion and then I did some like bikini. And then it took me probably maybe into the second year I started doing lingerie. But I was dating this guy. Um, he was, he was kind of like an Orthodox Christian in a way. So he was really, really strict on like what I can and can't do. Oh. Um, very controlling. Um, and so that kind of, that kind of like made me not try anything. That was like a huge reason. And every time like someone would bring up, Hey, do you want to try this? Do you want this job? I would like remember just those words of like, Oh, I'm going to like, God's going to hate me type of thing. You know, like those oh. feeling of I'm doing something so bad. And, um, yeah. And so I think once I got out of that relationship, I finally found myself and realized my own opinions. Like I can think for myself, which is, um, it feels so nice. I can make my own opinions. I can, um, just do all that. And I think that's when probably about the third year I started doing um, more sexier 
um, things, risky things, and um, got into nude work. And then the fourth year, I um, that's when I started doing explicit, like penthouse style, open legs, you know, doggy, bent over, all those different poses. And then the fifth year is when I got even more explicit when I got into OnlyFans and started doing uh, my own content, um, solo sexual stuff, or I collaborate with my, you know, models and stuff on there. Um, so that was that journey. <laughs> cool. Would you say that you're happy with your experience in progressing from fashion to bikini to nude to explicit to more erotic stuff? Yeah, I think I think I am happy with where I got me now, but I kind of look back to my younger self and I want to like slap myself so bad and and tell myself to fuck that guy you know <laughs> that guy's an asshole he's you know he doesn't care about you um, he doesn't care about your feelings it's all about him you know and so I should have um I should have done that I would have been so much farther now um but you can't change the past you know and um and back then I had my own issues but I'm just grateful that it I am here now and I'm doing this, which is so much fun. Cool. Cause you're <laughs> running it all freelance and it's your own show. Nobody's making you do anything. You're just creating your own content and then doing photo shoots with photographers. And, and that's, uh, that's kick ass. Yeah. I think it's pretty cool. Just, I feel like it, we all should be creative. You know, I think that's healthy way of living to be creative. Yeah. Well, I have another question for you, and this one's a little bit of a blindsiding question. So if it takes you a moment to <laughs> to come up with a good response, uh, please do, like, take your time. Um, so the question is, describe something in your life that was a struggle for you that you had to overcome, whether it's regarding your modeling or your your view on life or a situation in your life that you got through. This is a, a rising phoenix moment. What's something that you were being faced with or even something that you're being faced with now that you have felt challenged to overcome? Okay. Well, there's a time where, a chunk of time where I had to take time, like a whole year almost, like, where I wasn't doing a lot of modeling. I had to take time to get something under control. And that was a couple of years ago. I was having hemiplegic migraines. So it's pretty much they mimic a stroke. So like my whole side, uh, my right side would go numb and I couldn't feel it. Um, and then I would get my, my vision will get like very unfocused. Sometimes it'll be blurry. Sometimes it will be a blackout or I'll get auras depending on every attack's different. And then I would be vomiting all over and then I get the pounding headache. On top of that, I'm disoriented and then I can't form my words. I text, I'm trying to text someone for help or anything. I sound like gibberish and stuff. So I was having those episodes. And so I went to a doctor and this doctor told me I was having pan like big panic attacks. He was like panic attacks, you know. And so it was making me not be able to like do modeling or do any job at the time because um, I was having this issue um, that was giving me anxiety on top of what was happening. So I had this condition that was 
giving me anxiety because it was happening, but it wasn't anxiety that was happening. So yeah, yeah. So it was like this like whole cycle. And so he started me on these medications and then it, it really messed me up big time. I was, I was so psychotic. Like it was awful. And then the withdrawals and like throwing me on and off different meds. I ended up in like the hospital a few times. Um, just to, uh, I didn't, I didn't even know what was happening. I literally thought I was going to die. I thought my whole modeling dream, everything was gone. You know, it caused me to have um, really bad insomnia for a long time. Uh, my heartbeat was out of control. I mean, it was out of control before that, but it still was really bad. Yeah. So I had a really bad tachycardia. So finally, um, what happened was I was laying in bed one day and I was thinking and I had this voice that went through me and it, had, it was like this feeling that told me find a way to get off these meds this is the only way out and like that feeling was so overwhelming for me that I knew in that moment because like the person that I was seeing during that time and stuff I I literally was like my feelings were like so numb. I wasn't, there was no love. And if anybody knows me, I'm full of love, unconditional love. I'm just, I just, I'm a loving person. I love people. I'm very affectionate and I wasn't at all. And so that concerned me. And so I knew I had to get off that medication somehow. And I knew every time I tried, I would have to go right back on it because of the withdrawals. And so I ended up doing a ton of research and stuff and found a way to, um, to do it the correct way and I had to this is I don't recommend this for anybody <clears throat> because anything could happen but I went against my doctor's orders because my doctor like I said I don't like the pharmaceutical companies I think it's all <clears throat> money based but I did it on my own my doctor wanted me to taper within a month and every body's different every brain is different so I tapered over like six to eight months and I got off that medication and um, I lost all the diff- all the side effects it gave me. So the weight gain, all that, it all just went away. And then from there, I got a naturopath doctor and um, I started turning my life around. And I had a good support system, too, which I'm so grateful for to have them. I love them so much. And I'm so glad that they were here for me during that time when I uh, thought I was going to literally die. Wow. And yeah. And so it was a scary, scary situation. And um, I made it out and now I'm doing my dream again. And so it was like, it's, it feels so unreal, but I'm so grateful. I'm sleeping now before I was going multiple days without sleep. Mm. It was horrifying. And they don't tell you this stuff about these medications and stuff. And And all in all, this wasn't I was on these medications for the wrong diagnosis. So I eventually went to the correct doctor, like a bet, not correct doctor, but the better doctor who had a better. I don't know. He was a lot smarter is what I'm going to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And he 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 told me, he's like, I think you're having a migraine issue. And I was like, what? Migraines can do this stuff to you. I feel like I'm having a stroke. And he's like, well, every time we test you, you're not having a stroke. But he's like, you, you're having this complicated migraine disorder, the hemiplegic symptoms and stuff like that. 
he's like, we're going to see a neurologist. You're having um, this condition. And I, and I was like, are you serious? I went through all these medications and all this stuff, but I was having these symptoms and they were telling me it was panic attacks. And I was like, are you serious? This whole year, I just like got taken away from me. Um, so yeah, it was just like, I don't know. I was like happy and sad at the same time when he, when I found out the news, you know, it was, that was what I was dealing with in the beginning, you know? And so it's just, I don't know, that I think was one thing I really had to get through in order to um, succeed again. Um, so I'm happy that I was strong enough to realize um, with my intuition and stuff that this was not the answer I needed to get off. Like my body was telling me, my spirit, everything was like, you need to get off this now. So I'm glad I listened. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You took the power back and you you redirected the way that your body needed to heal. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. My body's very vocal. I'm very in, um, in tuned with my body. Uh, my doctor kind of laughs at me all the time because he's like, I'm pretty much the doctor. When I go in there, I tell him exactly what, you know, these are going on, this and that. And I kind of like run the show because I know my body best, you know. And so, yeah, very in tuned. <laughs> well, it's great that you got a doctor that listened and that got to oh, the yeah. bottom of the problem. It's, it's such a tragedy that you had to deal with the other misdiagnosis that you were taking the wrong medication for. I would be so upset also. Yeah, the problem is, is that it's like when I started in uh, anxiety medication, then it made me depressed. Like, now you're on a depression medication. Now that medication is making you not sleep. So now they think you're bipolar. Now they stick you on a bipolar medication. Mm. And it's this whole cycle. And it's it's awful. And um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are going to relate to what I just said. And um, it, it breaks my heart knowing that there is people that have gone through similar things like I have. And it kind of just tears my heart to pieces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. But hey, I'm here and I'm modeling and I'm kicking ass making content. So that, all that matters now. <laughs> yeah, I bet that feels good to be on the other side of that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I used to be so afraid that I wasn't sleeping. So I couldn't go to shoots or I couldn't go to work. And um, yeah, and now I'm here traveling. I'm, I leave for Atlanta Friday and I'm just like, I'm so happy. I, I, I stood out and I was strong and I just listened and just went for it. and. I healed myself. I didn't I didn't listen to no fucking doctors because they fucked me up. I took it into my own hands, got on, got a natural path doctor, you know, all those different things and um, detoxed my body with all those deadly chemicals. And yeah, saw the light. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> more more intense stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because every person has some kind of things about them that make their life story interesting. That's why I incorporate that rising Phoenix question into these podcast episodes, because you would never know like what somebody struggled to through unless you asked them about it. Exactly. I used to be one of those people that like, I would not tell you if I was struggling, I would not tell you if I needed help. I'm not going to accept help. I was like really stubborn to like my younger me. And I think that was not healthy. And there's a lot of things that happened to me. And I should have told like the guy I was dating or I should have told my friends around me. But I felt like I couldn't. I felt like it. I don't know. I just had this 
unhealthy way of coping. And so I'm glad now I'm very um, open now and um, I will tell anything that happened to me and I'll just put it on the table because I realized that's the only way to heal now, you know? That's good. I think that actually that advice is something that I could um, maybe utilize for myself because I also struggle with some hyper independence where I don't want to bring up something that was shitty that happened to me or I want to do everything myself. <laughs> exactly. It just makes us feel. And I don't know, especially like, for example, that experience with that guy groping my vagina. Like if I would have told the guy I was dating or somebody like close to me, I would feel like one, they would make it a big deal and, and blame it on me. It was my fault. Or two, they would um, they would make it more dramatic and want to call the cops, do all these different things. And I would fear that the guy would come back and hurt me. You know, so I think there's so much anxiety with everything that it was easier for me to just never tell anybody about anything, you know, because I feel like people just make things worse. Yeah. That's, that's how yeah. Unfortunately, that is how it is. There are a lot of <laughs> models that have been ass- assaulted at photo shoots. And when it comes down to it, like if you uh, consented to go into their house and taking off your clothes for the shoot, it seems that police or other people that you tell the story to are going to lay the blame on the model and not on the person who was committing the assault. Yeah. And a sad society is like that. But it's like, especially um, with my ex's culture and stuff, it's like, well, if you are showing skin, if you are, you know, then you are pretty much letting the man know that it's okay. So it's your fault, which is, I think is BS. Um, They should have control. But I already knew if I would have told, like, the guy I was dating what the outcome probably would have been like, he wouldn't have been supportive. I don't think he would have. It would have just been worse trauma than I already was going through at that time. Yeah. 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 The boyfriend trying to get the model to quit modeling because of a negative experience. Yep. Yeah, that's also sad and controlling it's it's sad too like nobody should control your life or dictate what you do but you and if someone really loves you they would they let you experience life because you're not going to experience and know things unless you experience yourself that's how the human body works you know and so yeah so that's just my little opinion but i do have a question for you okay have you ever had a photographer ask you something really just really weird out of nowhere because I had this one experience where a photographer was uh, shooting um, some explicit work so I had my legs spread he wanted some pussy shots uh-huh. and so he would tell me um, or ask, he asked me out of nowhere can I smell your pussy oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> I have had similar experiences uh yeah I have. <laughs> yes, I thought that was like something funny to add to all the intense things that we, you know, that we had on this right uh this podcast today. I've, but... I've had I've had people offer me extra money so that they could lick my feet, to which I declined. <laughs> I've oh I've had a, a photographer that I had worked with for many years one day suddenly got really weird on me at a photo shoot and said that since we had known each other for so long that it was time for him to lick my pussy and I had to set the boundary really hard with him and that was a uh, that was awkward so so yeah I, I have had and I've had people asking really inappropriate questions like you know you're having a conversation with a photographer at a shoot and they're asking you about your life and you're talking about your family and stuff 
one guy, when I told him I had two sisters that were similar in age with me, he Mm -hmm. asked if we would pose nude together, like open leg and like touching each other and stuff. And I was like, are you insane? Like, those are my sisters. That is a completely inappropriate question. Like, where's your mind at? Like, what porn are you watching? But sadly, some cultures are like that, which is so sad and so nasty. Yeah. And I'm not anti-porn, but I do think that there is a lot of unethical stuff in porn, like the incest and things like that, that do drop the idea in people's minds that that might be an appropriate question to ask at some point. Yeah. The problem with porn is that, like, the new the new generations that are, like, coming into the world now, when they watch porn, they think it's normal. All those things they see they watch in porn, they think it's normal to have in the bedroom like BDSM or all those different things, they don't know what's, what's, what do you call it, like normal anymore, you know, because of the internet. Because so of the internet kind of, and because yeah. uh, religion is impressing the idea that people shouldn't talk to their kids about sex. So they learn about oh, it yeah. with porn. Yeah, it's, it's such a fucked up world. I <laughs> definitely, oh gosh, especially when I was dating that one guy I told you about the Orthodox. Yeah. Uh, I think when we first were starting to talk, I think he was like 19 or something like that. It's been a while, since, but he didn't even know what certain things were like blow job, hand job, like those type of things were. And of course I was like his first, but it was just, um, shocking because I could never imagine not telling my own kids about explaining this stuff, you know, to them so that they can have a uh, easier way in the world. But I guess, you know, like religious, you know, religions do it a different way, which is wrong, I think. So your your parents were not religious then? Oh, no, they, they say they're Christians, but they don't like go to church. They don't like um, do anything like preach or, or any of that stuff. They just they they're just awful people. That's all I can say. Uh, but they, yeah, if you the the talk when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah, they they definitely mentioned a few things about like the birds and the bees. They would call it. They stuck me on birth control right as I started my period, which really messed up my my period. Whoa! Like, just, like they just yeah, I started at fourteen. By the time I turned 15, I was on birth control and their reasoning was, well, you can't get pregnant. And if you go out with people, if you try and sneak off, well, now you're protected. But it's like, one, you guys never let me go anywhere. And two, there's no way you guys. My dad told me like he would kill me if I like ran away or snuck out. You know what I'm saying? So I was just like, yeah, I was like, there's no way, no way, Jose, you know, that I'm able to get pregnant. So they fucked my body up so bad with that birth control. And till this day, I'm still trying to get my period regulated. Yeah, I would never put my kid on birth control at an early age, especially when their body has not regulated their period. Wait, yeah. Was it the pill? Like, what kind of birth control did they make you go on? It was the depo shot because uh-huh. they knew, you know, the pill that I can just not take it or spit it out. So the the depo shot was a shot that lasted like three months. Yes, I I have actually been on that. Uh, yeah, it does fuck you up. Oh yeah, it fucked me up. I was on it two years and it messed up my my period. It messed up my hormones. Uh, I was uh, like an emotional wreck twenty four seven. It was awful. Because a teenager, yeah, yeah, it it messed up my hair. Really? Oh my gosh, I've heard about that. I've also heard it caused weight gain for some, but I didn't get the weight gain. I I didn't get the weight gain either, but some of the hormones that it affects also the 
the hormones that affect how the oils in your skin produce, including the skin on your scalp, which helps your hair grow healthily. Yeah. That hormone for me was fucked up. So my hair started just becoming really brittle and breaking off at a, a certain length. I could never grow my hair past a certain length. That is so not fair. Oh, yeah. why do parents be like this? They think they're helping you, but they're just harming you. Well, <laughs> it wasn't my parent. My parents didn't know that I was on it. it. I always had a different scenario where they, my parents were religious and they didn't talk to me about sex. And they pretty much wanted to make sure that I didn't know anything about it. So I had to learn about it myself and lost my virginity. And they got worried that I was going to get pregnant. So I figured out how to get the the morning after pill at Planned Parenthood. And at uh, 17, I started doing the, uh, the depot shot because that I did try the pill and it gave me really bad leg cramps. And I didn't want to get the IUD. So I took the shot. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I tried the pill like after I turned 18 because that's when I got off the depot shot because I left um, the nest, you can call it. It gave me I think I only took it for like a week or two, but it gave me like a really bad migraine. It was my first regular migraine. It wasn't like the hemiplegia. Mm. It was a regular one. And so I guess that's common in people that have a migraine disorder. And I never knew back then that I had I was going to have a migraine disorder. So I think that's why I had that reaction. But I stopped huh. taking it. And then I just got off birth control. I never took took anything after that. I, I wonder yeah. if the birth control had anything to do with your future health issues. It, that's a possibility. Like, I know some of these, like, chemical things can change and permanently damage certain things. So I would not be surprised. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still recovering from um, the medication issues that I had in the past. I, there's some days where I know I'm having brain zaps or and it's just because the chemicals are, you know, they, they, they change it in those meds and stuff or hormones or whatever med that. Yeah. So I definitely believe it could. There could be a possibility. <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. You never know. It's, it, I don't think that in our day they're ever going to be able to trace medications that you took to future like long lasting effects. Well, they're not going to because that will lose them money. Uh, right. Pharmaceutical companies are all about, you know, getting their money. And so they even pay doctors so the doctors can advertise yeah. and, and push out their meds. And um, if you notice, you take one medication, that medication is going to give you some side effects or something or an issue diabetes or whatever because it caused you to gain weight and then now you got to take a diabetes medication and that's going to cause you to have a tachycardia maybe it'll make your heart rate faster or something you know and then now you got to take a, a beta blocker or something you know yeah. drug where it lowers it so now by the time you're 40 you, you're on a chain of meds like that's how it's working now and I think that is such bullshit it's all about money run my own preference um I don't think it's anything about helping us um if you think about it, human nature is selfish. Uh, we th- we never do anything unless it involves us, us getting something in return. Yeah. You know, that's just how humans are. And why would that help you without them getting something in return? It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wish Yeah, I knew more when I was younger than I do now. I would have, like, stopped myself from taking any medication. But too late now. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those things that you kind of have to learn through experience, because if somebody else told you th- about their experience with meds, but you're, you have your doctor telling you what the best thing for you that they think is, you won't really know until you try. And you don't know yeah. that you're going to have those negative side effects unless you tried it. So it's, it's like looking exactly. back, hindsight's twenty twenty, but... 
Yeah. And that goes back to with society standards, too. They make you think that you have to trust your doctor. You know, they're like doctors go to school. Doctors have their license. They're the smartest people when it comes to healthcare or whatever. So they make you feel like you have this uh, distrust that you have to trust your doctor. He he knows what's best for you without thinking, you know, your own body. What do you want to do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, without questioning it. So I think that's part of like society's standard norms and stuff that um, we're built in into just knowing that doctors are here for our good and to help. And we don't really think outside that. Ooh, wow. We got onto some crazy subjects. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I could finish with another story. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm all ears. Tell me another story. <laughs> all right. So there was this one time where I um, booked a photo shoot with a photographer and I have worked with this photographer probably three or four different times. So it wasn't like the first time I worked with him. But the previous times he did not do um, what he did at this. Lo- I, um, I show up at the hotel. We shoot at this casino hotel. He wanted to sell this. uh He was trying to make these like paintings and stuff. And then he had this mold that he wanted to recreate and he wanted to mold my my boobs. And I was just like, OK, you know, we can mold my boobs. So we end up putting like this um like this mold stuff on my boobs and letting it harden and take it off. You know, the whole process of re- recreating that. And um and so during the whole shoot, he ends up pouring uh, vodka and Red Bull and he was drinking throughout it, oh. which one it made me really, really uncomfortable for that. I mean, because for one, I have alcohol problems myself, not like me being an alcoholic, but because I grew up with trauma around it, it was hard for me to be around alcohol. Yeah, it was like a, a sense of, you know, adrenaline rush for me if I was if I smelt any or. Um, yeah, it just gave me really bad anxiety. And so that was bad. But he was mixing it with Red Bull. So that's not a good mix. But anyways, so we were, were um, doing that. And then it starts getting closer to the end of the shoot. And he starts getting like this boner in his pants. Oh. <laughs> and of course, he has to mention it. And so he goes, he was like, oh, man, he's like, I think I'm, I have like a little bulge here. He's like, I'm going to let it out and stuff. And I look at him. I'm like, what the f-? like I, for me, like. I cannot believe what I'm hearing, you know? So I'm like speechless. And he, what he does is he whips it out. Oh my God. He pulls out his penis and this like little dingle hopper, you know? <sighs> it's just, <laughs> it's just like out. And I was sitting there like, oh fuck, I need to get out of here. Like this guy is definitely intoxicated. And so, um, luckily he paid me, uh, up front. So I already had the money. So I didn't have to worry about trying to like, wiggle my way getting the money and then getting out you know um yeah 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 and so um luckily I had my phone on me and so I had this thing with my friends or um someone I'm with or dating or any of that I send them like a um a certain text message or like a emoji or something you know then they can like call and that's what I did and I got I picked up my phone real quick you know and then that's how I was like okay it's time to go type of thing if someone's on the phone but that was my way out of that one. Wow. Um, that but yeah, smart. I don't know if you had any penises that got whipped out. No, actually, huh? nobody has whipped out their dick on me at a photo shoot, fortunately. I, I have had some weird situations, but but not that. <laughs> I have heard of it happening at, with other models, though. 
Like, what are these people thinking? That like, in what scenario is this going to be a positive experience for anybody? Oh gosh, the problem with this photographer is he um, (laughs) is I worked with this guy. I like, like I said, a few more times before this, but I think it was because he was intoxicated. His filter came off like his, um, which is no excuse, you know, that's no excuse to like act the way he did. But I think if he wasn't intoxicated, he would not have done that. I don't know, because after that, I stopped working with him and he would message me to work with me. And I would tell him I am for an excuse that I was booked with other jobs. Yeah. And he and he would get stuck up because he was uh, actually from a rich, rich family. He's rich himself. Um, and he was like, oh, I can pay you way more than what you're making with them. And I'm like, for one, you don't know how much I'm making for these gigs. And two, I'm not working with you again. You know, yeah. like, you made me uncomfortable. Like, I don't trust you anymore yeah. to work with you. Good for and, you. Um, yeah. What a weirdo. Yeah, yeah that, that would make me <laughs> worries. That would make me super uncomfortable also. Hopefully that he doesn't do that to other models in the future. And I guess that's why it's so good that we're part of a community and we can pass this information around. Yeah, I think that's super good that we're able to at least tell each other our experiences so that we go into knowing that this could be a red flag photographer and not a good experience. So that's good. Yeah. And 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 for anybody listening, for legal purposes, we're not going to be naming names on the podcast. Nobody's trying to get sued, but... I'm sure these names will be getting passed around privately from model to model so that we know who to look out for. Oh, of course. That's why I didn't mention any names at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. DM me yeah. after this. Tell me who it was. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, um, definitely. I will let you know who it was. Um, Vegas area. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Okay. Well, I'm super grateful that I was able to like be here today. Like, I feel like I got some uh, stories out that I hope that people can relate to. Yes. Then you know? <laughs> some yeah. that are morbid curiosity type stories. Uh, a lot of people do ask me what's the craziest shoot I've ever had or the craziest thing that's ever happened at a shoot. So I know that all the models have all these kinds of crazy experiences to share. And it's just a matter of having a platform to put them out. Exactly. And I hope the future um, is I hope your podcast blows up like I really do, because I feel like it's will benefit a lot of people. Thank I'm you. so glad you're doing this. Yeah. Thanks. I'm excited to see you grow with this. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Yeah, it was so good chatting with you. Yeah, you too. Um, and I hope um, that other models will definitely want to join this. I'll spread the word. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anybody that's listening to this episode. Follow Taylor May model. I'll put her links to her Instagram and any other pertinent links on the show notes for this podcast episode. So you can check her out and follow her on social media. 